Hello my dudes, my name is Tiffany. Welcome back to my series, Internet Analysis, where I like to talk about anything related to social issues, social media, you never know. Today I wanna to talk about how overwhelming it is to be a college student. That's it. My recent videos have been kind of exploring education and the whole concept of hard work. I made a video about hustle culture and then I talked about the impossible standards of college admissions. And my last video was about the curse of being a gifted student, which by the way, I got so many comments and messages since that video. So clearly it struck a chord with a lot of people. So thank you for telling me your stories. Lately, I have been fascinated just by the pressure that we put on ourselves or society puts on us from a young age. It's the classic, it's important to do well in school so that you can go to a good college and get a good job and buy a house and have a family. There's an assumption that first of all, everyone wants to follow that exact path and that that journey will be straightforward as long as you work hard. I keep wanting to go back to explore that idea of hard work again, because again, I talked about it in the hustle culture, toxic productivity video, but basically there's so much like shame and guilt and so many other emotions and feelings all wrapped up in this concept of working hard. And in the comments of that video, a lot of people said they could relate that to being overworked in high school and college. Hence why I'm making this video. I just wanna discuss all of the time, effort, energy, and stress of being a college student. I think no matter what your personal circumstances are, it is a big challenge to get through college. But at the same time, I think there's this myth currently that college students these days are lazy and that we're complaining about work that other generations have been able to juggle. It's that classic boomer thing where they'll be like, when I was your age, I was able to work and pay my way through college, why can't you? And it's like, mm, I don't know, maybe because tuition costs have been inflated so much that there literally aren't enough hours in the day to work enough to pay for it. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's it. But anyway, this is not a millennial versus boomer comparison. And this is not a competition for us to see who takes the most credits, works the most hours, sleeps the least, and still survives. So in this video and in a lot of videos in this series, I just wanna take the time to acknowledge and highlight some specific struggles. I see you, I feel you. And that is how I know these are Titanic lyrics. Everyone has unique challenges and there's no point in directly comparing my situation to yours, but at the same time, a lot of us are going through the same thing. So let's just gather around the campfire and sing our sad college kids song. Raise your hand if you've ever sacrificed physical, mental, and or emotional health to overwork yourself into an extremely depressive state of mind that takes days to recover from in hopes to be happy with a result knowing it's probably not gonna be worth it in the end. That is such a good video, by the way. I definitely recommend you guys opening that in another tab and watching this after this video. It's about burnout and it touches on that whole glorification of overworking yourself. Dude, I had six hours of homework last night and didn't get to bed until 4 a.m. You think that's bad? The other week I had three tests to study for, so I pulled an all-nighter and only drank coffee for two days straight. Again, it is not a competition. Why are we bragging about not taking care of ourselves and putting too much on our plates? I think what it is, is that we feel compelled to do these things and juggle all these things and maintain them. And then instead of being honest and admitting that we're struggling, we would rather just pretend everything is great. I actually love challenging myself to the point of exhaustion. 
So let's get into the typical college workload. I was inspired by this triangle. Choose two, good grades, enough sleep, or social life. I would also add work to that because you gotta pay your bills. But then I found an even more accurate diagram. Friends, class, work, family, homework, sleep, hobbies, food, extracurricular activities, resume builders, volunteering, love life, friends. Attempt to do everything until stress takes over and things get slipping and you end up crying in your bed deciding to do none of it and just watch TV to escape to somewhere else. Apparently struggle memes are the new basis of my channel. So I'm gonna talk about all of the different elements of the typical college student's workload one by one so that we can really get into the nitty gritty of how damn stressful it is. It's gonna be a fun video. But before I jump in, you may be wondering um, where my earrings are from. I often get comments of people asking. Today's earrings are brought to you by today's sponsor, which is Ana Luisa. Now what does jewelry have to do with today's topic? Nothing, but I am wearing it and it looks damn cute. So first off, I have this beautiful pair of clouds. I like most of my jewelry to have a little bit of quirk. I guess I'm not like other girls. No, I'm just like anybody else who likes a, an interesting pair of earrings. They also sent me these beautiful, simple hoops for when I'm not feeling so quirky, when I wanna look a little elegant, when I wanna look like an adult woman who wears hoops. And these are those classic dainty little layerable necklaces that just look really cute with anything. Ana Luisa uses 100% recycled gold in their products, which is really great because in case you didn't know, gold mining is terrible for the environment. Did you know that creating one gold ring generates 20 tons of waste? I can't even fathom that amount. What I love about these pieces is that they are high quality, but still relatively affordable. And in terms of sustainability, obviously sourcing materials is one element, but also it's important to buy higher quality things when you can so that you can keep them for as long as possible instead of buying cheaper things that are more likely to break and less likely to be recycled. P.S. Ana Luisa also includes a one year warranty on every product. If you guys are interested in checking them out, please click the link in the description and you can use code TiffanyFerg10 for 10% off. Thank you so much for sponsoring this video. Let's continue. Anyway, I want to go back to that triangle and I'm going to go through point by point. So let's start with good grades. That's a rather straightforward one. Some people are in the C's get degrees mindset. So they're not very focused on getting good grades in college. They're just trying to pass their classes, which is totally fine. And honestly, if all you want to do is get your associates or your bachelors, then that's all you need to do. But GPA matters if you know, you're gonna be trying to transfer or if you're going to apply to grad school. So I think a lot of people in college do actually care about their GPA. However, don't forget you are paying for college. I can understand trying your best and getting lower grades in a couple of challenging courses, but intentionally not trying is pretty lame. Obviously, the main point of being in college is going to class and learning. But your course load largely depends on your major because it is no secret that some majors really are a lot easier than others. Some majors have course loads that are just absolutely ridiculous. Like I assume pre-med would be. I can't even imagine that. Hey, just realized I made a whole video about college and forgot to mention that I myself am still a college student. I'm a media studies major. Just wanted to say, you know. But regardless, you have actual class hours, you may have labs, and of course you have the reading, studying, writing essays that goes along with all of your classes. We are all well aware how much time it takes to do schoolwork, so I'm not gonna get too deep into this, but I just wanna acknowledge that this is just one piece of the puzzle of things that you have to juggle. Are you puzzling juggles? Juggling puzzles, okay. Next, let's address the social corner. 
College is supposed to be the time of your life where you meet your best lifelong friends. And for a lot of people, that is not the case. I really struggled to socialize and make new friends uh, when I was a freshman and still to this day because I am introverted and honestly pretty lazy. <laughs> But seriously, socializing in college is hard. Making friends is really hard. You basically have to try to befriend people immediately, like during freshman orientation or the first couple weeks of classes, especially if you live in a dorm. Because as soon as people have solidified their friend groups, it's a lot harder to get in there. So you want to try to make friends when everybody's in the same boat and kind of nobody has friends yet. But if you live off campus or you commute, it is so much harder to meet people, let alone actually make friends. I transferred to a school in Manhattan that I'm currently going to and when I first started there my boyfriend was like have you made any new friends and I was like I haven't spoken to a single soul so no. So yeah making friends is hard and that takes a lot of time and effort but maintaining friendships is also really hard and you know everybody has different schedules so it's difficult to like coordinate times to hang out. But if you want to be basically guaranteed to make friends, you've got to join a sorority or a fraternity. I was never interested in this because honestly, hanging out with a big group of people and having mandatory meetings and activities and socials to go to sounds like my own personal hell, <laughs> but that's just me. I can understand the appeal though, if I weren't so introverted and lazy. Really though, I've heard from a lot of people who truly do love you know, their sorority or their frat and they do make lifelong friends, so that is great. But what I've heard from my friends who have been in sororities is just that being in Greek life is a huge time commitment. If you guys have any Greek life experiences, good or bad to share, comment down below. In college, there are also clubs or you could join student government, like my little brother, for example, is a senator at his UC. So that's really cool. It's a great way to meet friends, but it's also a responsibility and a time commitment. So it's like socializing and being a responsible student in one. But again, out of that triangle of things that you have to choose from, socializing is probably people's most preferred activity and something that they wish they had more time to devote to. So it can be really tough, again, striking that balance where you're like, okay, I wanna socialize, I have friends, or maybe I don't have friends and I need time to make friends, but you don't wanna spend too much time socializing and then let your grades slip or any of your other responsibilities. So yeah, it's super fun. You can't have it all. Oop, cracked my arm. Next tip of the triangle, let's talk about sleep. In general, colleges in America have a sleepless culture. It is totally rampant. International viewers, let me know if this is similar to your country. All-nighters happen all the time, especially during midterms or final seasons. It's normal to see people take quick naps in the library instead of leaving so that they can actually sleep. But this is a serious problem and I feel like we don't treat this as we should. People are like joking about never sleeping and I'm like, you're not okay. What about your brain? I mean, I pulled all-nighters every week for the majority of my college career. And did that make me happier? No. Did that make me smarter and more successful and help me make better decisions when I was running on absolutely no sleep? Also, no. For me personally, if we're looking at this triangle again, mine's easy, sleep and good grades. Sleep has always been one of my main priorities. Like I am not somebody who can choose to do all-nighters. Like I cannot function without sleep. It's not an option. Even when I was a teenager, like hanging out with my friends, having sleepovers, I would be the first one to zonk out. Just be like, peace, it's 10 o'clock, I'm over it. But anyway, back to my sleep prioritizing. Obviously there are occasions once in a while where I'll have an essay that I have to stay up late to finish and I hate that. There's always a point at like 2 or 3 a.m. where I just cry. I just have to. 
I don't know if it's because I'm tired or I'm stressed, both. And it's kind of cathartic. It's kind of nice to cry. But I do try really hard to be a little bit more organized and not procrastinate so much to where I have to screw myself over in that way. So I really cannot relate to this habit of regularly doing all-nighters. I would truly, I can't even do one. I can't even stay up until midnight most nights. Next, I wanna to touch on the fact that college students are addicted to stimulants, okay? Coffee, coffee is one thing. I've got my coffee right here, it's melted. It takes me hours to drink one cup of iced coffee. Hell, it's mostly water. But anyway, I don't have a problem with people being addicted to caffeine or just loving coffee. Out of all the possible vices that a college student can have, you know what, drink your bucks. But more seriously, abusive drugs like Adderall is unfortunately very common. In case you don't know, Adderall is one of the most commonly prescribed drugs for treatment of ADD or ADHD. And for people who actually do have attention deficit disorders, a drug like Adderall can help them, you know, get through day-to-day -day tasks and be able to focus in a normal way. By that I mean that people who use these medications and need them have said that they just make them feel normal. As in, they don't feel like Bradley Cooper and Limitless, they just feel like anybody else. And for the record, I strongly believe that drugs like Adderall are way over-prescribed and that is a huge problem, but I have no problem with people who genuinely need these drugs to use them. Anyway, that is a topic for another time. But the thing is, in college, if you happen to have an Adderall prescription or Ritalin or any other drug like that, people will approach you and try to buy your pills off of you, especially, again, during midterm or finals. And people call them study drugs because they can help people be hyper focused and get a lot of work done more so than they would be able to otherwise. But the thing is, they are not study drugs and it's really fucked up for us to normalize them being referred to as this. Again, they are very serious prescription drugs made for a specific purpose and they should not be abused so casually. It's really, really dangerous that this has been normalized. And Adderall can be extremely addicting. So a lot of people who have, you know, bought pills off of people, use them occasionally, become addicted, become very reliant on them. They end up needing to continuously feed this habit or they have to go to a doctor and figure out a way to swindle their own prescription just so they can keep using it. For example, I read this article about a woman who basically did that. She used to use it as a study drug and then she got addicted and it took her a decade to be able to get off of it. This is called Generation Adderall. Fun fact, Adderall's name comes from the phrase ADD for all. Isn't that cute? So this writer was basically talking about how she got to the point where she felt like she couldn't be creative, she couldn't write anything without Adderall, so she was scared to get off of it because she thought she'd lose her ability to be a writer. Adderall complicates the usual dynamic of drug addiction by being squarely associated with productivity, achievement, and success. It's very hard to think about going off of it because you don't know if you're going to be able to produce. It is very, very dangerous to abuse any type of drugs. It is very unhealthy not to sleep. So please love yourselves, give yourselves rest. If you think there's no room for sleep in your schedule, you need to reprioritize and take some things off of your plate so that you can get rest because you need it because your brain can't function without it. Sleep is not optional. 
So we finished our triangle and now I want to touch on work, which is again another essential. I guess that would just make this diagram a square. I don't know. The thing is, on top of being a full-time college student, most of us need to work. College is expensive, rent is expensive, even with scholarships, grants, and loans, most of us still have a gap that we need to work to be able to pay for. If you are really fortunate, your parents cover all of your expenses or you have a full ride that includes housing and other expenses to where you wouldn't need to work to survive. But again, that is very rare. Schools typically recommend that students work about 10 to 15 hours a week, but the average is 20, and a lot of students work more than that. This says 10% of full-time undergraduate students work more than 35 hours a week. So almost working full-time and being a full-time student, that is a lot. So I'm about to show you a clip from Olivia Catherine, who is one of my YouTube friends, and she makes really great commentary videos. So you guys should check her out if you haven't seen her channel. But this clip perfectly encompasses like the entire combination of things that this whole video is about. Hey, what's up, I'm Olivia. I recently graduated from college this past May, and though college as a whole was a general nightmare for me, there was one specific week my senior year that really stands out when it comes to crippling anxiety because of workload. So essentially, I had to work full-time to be able to afford to go to college, and yes, that includes scholarships, student loans, and help from my family. One particular week was finals week, and also at the end of finals week was a big event for the company I worked for, and they wanted me to make five videos for this company event, and they didn't really tell me what they wanted until the week of, so I had to crank out all five videos the week of. During this seven day period, I pulled at least three all-nighters. That does not mean that during the other nights I actually slept. I would sleep maybe two or three hours. I was staying up all night with caffeine and legally prescribed Adderall in my system, just trying to use as much time as I could to get these things done. And it still felt like 24 hours wasn't enough. I'm using the entire day to work and it still felt like I was never gonna get things done at the time they needed to be done. And I even got so overwhelmed to the point where I had to like set aside time to cry. I kid you not, I would take like 30 to 45 seconds, maybe a minute at most, and just sit there, let myself lose it, just bawl and cry and shake, whatever. And then at that minute mark, I had to cut it off, dry my eyes and keep working as if it didn't happen. And now I have to finish writing this paper because that's mostly what my finals were, were like papers or huge projects. They weren't just, tests that I could study for a little bit and then taking it be over. It was like long process of research, reading books, full length books in one day because I didn't have a choice but to do it because I had no other time. And then also working on videos for this company. So I'm sure a lot of that stress came from the fact that I had to work full time in order to afford to go to college, but that's not a unique situation. A lot of people were like that. And that's only one incident I can think of, but my college experience was filled with things like that. That's just the most fresh in my mind and one of the worst. That's my story. I hope you enjoyed it. Anyway, thanks. Peace. <laughs> And now, related to work, you have internships, which are, you know, a good chance to get some work experience. Sometimes they are required to graduate, sometimes they're just highly recommended because, again, it's good to put on your resume, gain some skills, it's good to potentially get a foot in the door and maybe get a job offer for after graduation. Good times, right? So you can just replace your part-time job with your internship and you're good, right? Except that many internships are unpaid. So they're asking you to commit, you know, at least 10, 15 hours a week of your time in exchange for nothing except a few credits. 
Unpaid internships are a huge problem because obviously very few people can afford to be able to take an unpaid internship. Naturally, the only kids who are gonna be able to do that are the ones who don't need to work for money. So they're more privileged in whatever ways. Other students would be forced to do an unpaid internship and then still have a paid job on top of that, which again, you just run out of hours. There are not enough hours in the day or in a week to be able to do all of those things in addition to being a full-time student. On that note, money and privilege play massive roles in a student's ability to graduate. Affordability is a huge issue. It is really hard to be able to afford tuition, rent, books, and other expenses. And naturally, it's a major source of stress, you know? It's really hard to focus on schoolwork when you're working too many hours or worrying about if you're gonna be able to pay your bills. That is actually the main reason that people drop out of college because they either can't afford it or they can't continue to balance studying with having to work the amount of hours that they need to. Children from families earning more than $90,000 have a one in two chance of getting a bachelor's degree by 24. That falls to a one in 17 chance for families earning under 35,000. In other countries, tuition not only tends to be more affordable or even free, but sometimes students are given stipends for housing or other expenses. They're basically being paid to study. I mean, it's like those countries actually want their students to focus and do well in school. Imagine that. For example, in France, there's a CAF, which is basically a state assistance fund, and a thing called the APL. Aide personnalisée au logement. Yes, I studied abroad in France. <laughs> I also haven't spoken French in like two years, so. But anyway, the APL is a housing subsidy which is available even to international students, and it basically provides a refund of usually around 100 to 200 euros per month for rent, so obviously that makes it a lot more affordable to be able to pay your rent while you're a student. Shout out, France. Moi, je m'appelle Tiffany. Je viens de Californie. Ouais, j'adore la France. J'aime les fromages végétaliens. I miss France. Another great example is the Danes. Every Danish student receives about $900 per month under a scheme known as SU. The generous financial support does not need to be paid back even if students drop out, and the only major requirement for students to receive the full amount is that they do not live with their parents. That sounds incredible. Wow, imagine, imagine being able to go to school and not worry about how you're gonna pay for school or how you're gonna pay for your living expenses. We would do so well. Meanwhile, in the US, of course, we know how expensive tuition is, but also a lot of students really struggle to find affordable housing. Sometimes there's a lack of housing available, like there's just way too many students in a town and not enough housing units to go around. So sometimes students are forced to stay in dorms, which are notoriously expensive, so much more expensive than renting a room off campus because there's no other option. My brother paid so much money for a triple. His room was so tiny and there were three people in it. That's another thing. In other countries, you guys don't share dorm rooms. By the way, my little dorm room when I studied abroad in France, have I mentioned that I studied abroad in France. My dorm room was so cute and it had a little private toilet and I just got to chill by myself. I feel like that's how we should do it here. Sharing dorm rooms sucks. Like, yeah, people are like, oh, it's fun to socialize and have a roommate. Not really. <laughs> anyway, back to serious things. Sorry, getting distracted. Homelessness is actually a really big problem among American college students. Many homeless students choose to live in their cars. So there's this example. One in five college students are homeless at Cal State's Humboldt, 
And it says within the Cal State University system, an estimated 50,000 students throughout the system are homeless. What about taking out loans to pay for rent? A lot of students, that's what they have to do. They take out loans that pays for their living expenses. Students face impossible choices between food and shelter, between a tough reality in the present and potentially unpayable debts in the future. And while looking for that clip, I found an alarming number of people making van life or living in my car, homeless college student videos, which, hey, get your coin, get that AdSense. But also it is fucking sad that students are forced to live in their cars and be homeless while being students. I mean, if you wanna do van life voluntarily, all the power to you. But I think a lot of this is out of kind of a lack of other options, not really choice. So on that note, I wanted to talk again about how affordability or not being able to afford college can cause people to drop out. This says about one in three students who enroll in college never earn a degree. Affordability is probably the biggest factor prompting dropouts. The most effective way for colleges to spend money may simply be to give it to students, not just to pay for tuition, but also to cover living expenses. So again, when we go back to the French model or the Danish model, tuition is only one part of the equation. People, students, need help in covering living expenses. You can't assume that every family or parents have the money to help their kids pay for housing and other expenses, okay? One strategy involves expanding the definition of financial aid to help with unexpected problems, like a broken down car or a laid off parent. So this school called Laverne has set aside a million dollars for seniors who are close to graduation but encounter a financial hurdle. That is amazing because I feel like there are not enough resources for students and the financial aid system can be really complicated and a lot of times there's nothing they can do to help you. And it's just so terrible that somebody may just have a financial emergency or any other kind of situation come up and then not be able to graduate. The last thing I wanna to touch on is burnout. So after listing all of these various things to juggle, um, clearly they can be really stressful. The combination of all of these things is a lot. And then if you have any mental or physical health issues on top of that, it can be nearly impossible to keep up all of these things. So really quickly, I wanna introduce something called the spoon theory. And I wanna to touch on this because I think it's a really great metaphor. And if you haven't heard of this before, it can be really helpful in understanding what it is like to live with a chronic illness. A spoonie is a person who has limited energy caused by a chronic illness. And more specifically, it's a person who identifies with something called the spoon theory. So basically, the spoon theory works like this. Let's say you have five spoons. So spoonies have very limited energy and they have to be very careful about how they choose to use their energy. They use the spoons to represent the amount of energy that it takes to do each specific task. You get up in the morning, you get out of bed, you take a shower, you eat breakfast, you get dressed, and you have one spoon left. So even the most basic tasks, like waking up and getting ready in the morning, can wipe out a person's energy, and it can be really difficult for them to do anything else in the day. Let me be clear, the spoon theory is for people with chronic illnesses. I am definitely not trying to reappropriate this metaphor. I just really appreciate that. And um, again, if you hadn't heard of that, I just think it's really interesting and it's a great way to make people a little bit more aware of what it's like to live with a chronic illness. But I'm bringing this up because I think that we would all benefit from thinking of ourselves 
as not having unlimited energy. Because again, those of us who don't struggle with any kind of a disability or a chronic illness, it is important to acknowledge, you know, that we are grateful for our physical privileges, healthy bodies, for everything that we are capable of doing. But even the healthiest person physically has limits and we shouldn't think that we can have this unlimited stream of energy. Like for me, I am honestly a pretty low energy person and I do tasks very slowly. So over the years, I've had to like lower the bar of kind of my expectations of what I can get done in a day, just because I don't wanna beat myself up and call myself lazy and be mean to myself. This is just who I am. This is my energy level currently. This is my ability to get however many things done. I used to beat myself up for not doing more within a day, but now I'm just trying to be more wise and know what my limits are and get things done at a pace that works for myself. I do want to push myself to get things done when they need to be done, but I don't want to overextend myself and I want to be kind to myself. It is really important to have a work-life balance. If you push yourself to exhaustion, you're going to end up in a worse place than if you had just said no to a few things. You know, I think a lot of us are scared of saying no. We feel like we should say yes to everything, take every opportunity, anything that anyone asks of us, we should do it. But we can't do that. We cannot do that to ourselves. We need to deprogram our brains because we are not only valuable when we're being productive. That is such a toxic mindset to have. We are allowed to rest and chill and watch Netflix and do nothing and play games and lay around and have a day off or a night off or even just an hour off. It took me like 21 years to learn this, but the time that you sleep and eat and rest is not up for grabs. That's not optional time that you can like portion away for some other activity. That is required time for you to take care of yourself and for you to exist as a human being. We all need to be aware of our limits. So shout out to all of my college students out there. Shout out to everybody out there because we all have a lot on our plates. Um, I hope that you got something good from this video. Hopefully not just stress. If you need to hear it, you're doing amazing, sweetie. I think I'm gonna take a break from education-related content for just a little bit. So if you guys have any other topic suggestions, let me know, maybe some funny things or just more lighthearted things. Just wanna challenge myself to make slightly different content. Change it up a little. Okay, I love you guys, thank you so much. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe, hit that bell. Um, if you wanna see my mediocre pictures on Instagram, you can follow me there. Please check out Olivia's channel. And if you guys are interested in these beautiful pieces of jewelry or anything else from Ana Luisa, you guys can click the link in the description, use my coupon code. And that's it, I'm tired. I'm gonna have dinner, I'm gonna chill now. I love myself. Okay, <laughs> okay, thanks, bye.